0: Hey, this is Troy from Planet 76. We've got some really good Sixers-focused content coming your way today. Make sure you subscribe to the pod so you can be in the know when we release new content. Enjoy the show.
1: Welcome, everybody, to Planet 76. This is your number one source for 76ers. In podcast form, that is. My name is Michael. Troy as well. With me, episode 68. We are chugging along one week until the NBA season. And actually, the Sixers, because I think you said it, or I'm not sure who said it, but the Sixers are actually the first game to kick off the NBA season next Tuesday, October 16th? 18th. 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 That was close. Make sure you guys subscribe to the podcast. You know the drill. Let's get right into it. Troy, how are yes, we sir. doing?
0: Oh, we're doing fantastic because uh this is it's finally real. I mean, it's yes. finally here. I Woo! mean, we're a week out from 76ers regular season highly anticipated um, regular season. I know you are very excited. I am very excited. Sixers fans who are listening right now, you better be very excited. <laughs> um, and if you're, side note, if you're just a Philadelphia sports fan in general, uh, it seems like you're doing well. So the Eagles are 5-0, and just beat the Cardinals. Um, the Phillies beat the St. Louis Cardinals in, in their playoff series, so they're moving on to the next round. I think they start tomorrow, uh, Tuesday the 11th. So things are looking good for Philadelphia sports fans. I saw a... Um, I saw someone had a bet like a parlay. I forget what they put down. It might have been $25 or $50. Maybe 100 bucks. Anyway, it was that the Sixers would win the finals, the Eagles would win the Super Bowl, the Phillies would win the World Series, and if you wanted it, it would be like a cash out of like $400,000. <laughs> oh
1: my god. Pretty
0: crazy. I know all half <laughs> of our listeners, maybe all of our listeners would love to see that, but uh <laughs> wow. we'll see if that happens. So anyway, um yeah, we're going to get right into it. So this episode, episode 68, and then episode 69 are really going to be our season preview episodes. That's where Michael and I landed and uh, just want to, you know, a week out of the season, give our give our thoughts on the team as a whole and expectations, some things to look out for, some concerns, whatever those things may be. So um, why don't you give me, I mean, you know, preseason, they just finished their I guess third fourth preseason game there's one more to go against the Hornets I believe. Um you know I you know maybe you've caught some of that action I know I've caught a little bit but what have been your takeaways from the preseason?
1: Yeah, I haven't I haven't really watched as much <laughs> fake Sixers fan. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I haven't watched as much preseason as I probably would have liked. However, what I saw, I really liked what I saw from Tyrese Maxey. I think everybody yeah. who watched the Sixers preseason would agree. He's just he looks like he picked up right where he left off from last year. Um, his three-pointer looks amazing. He looks really good as a passer as well, which is something that I think he was developing as the season went along. I'm hoping he takes more strides in that area of his game this year. He He's looked great in preseason. He had some really nice passes in the Cavs game on Friday that I watched, which was, again, great sign. Great, great sign. Yeah. Um. Yeah, Harden looks yeah, solid as well. Oh, I'm sorry, go ahead.
0: That's a big deal. His passing mm-hmm. ability—that's been something to watch for. So that's yeah. a that's a big one. He's been incredible. Yeah,
1: that's, he's been that's incredible. True. You can go ahead to that's finish true. what you were gonna and, say. Um, <clears throat> and um, Harden looks okay. Harden looks not okay, but he looks good. You know, I, I'm not really taking him too seriously until the season starts, things really get underway. But he looks really good. He looks in pretty good shape. Um, he, you know, he looks fast with. The, with the ball, he looks good on his feet, so that's a good sign. And B looks good. I mean, I love what I'm seeing from D'Anthony Melton as well. One mm-hmm. of my, probably my favorite pickup of the off season, honestly. I thought it was gonna yeah. be Tucker, but I love the D'Anthony Melton pickup so yeah. much. So he, he's actually looked really good in preseason as well. And yeah, I'm just excited just to. I'm just excited. I I, I like what I see from this team from preseason. Uh, it's preseason, so take t- got to take it with a grain of salt. But nevertheless, it's still really encouraging to see what I'm personally to see what I'm seeing from these
0: guys. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I think you and I are in the same boat on the De'Anthony yeah, Melton dude. signing oh my gosh. the acquisition <laughs> there. So uh, very excited about what he brings. And then yeah, I mean, if your preseason Sixers takeaway doesn't involve Tyrese Maxey, then I don't know what you've been watching, what you've been seeing. <laughs> um, he's amazing. <laughs> I mean, we're gonna obviously we're gonna get into him and. Um, Just what he's going to mean to this team if they're going to have you know the season that they want to have, and the important role that he plays in that. But he's just and he's fun to watch, and he he's always got a smile on his face. Like he's just one of those guys. It's very easy to root for. Um, Not just you know he'd he'd be a very likable guy if he was on the Cavaliers like or whatever you know fill in the blank. You know that's a guy that you want to see do well, and uh, he's got the work ethic to back it up. So um, yeah, so the season is just about a week away. I know you're feeling good, but maybe put into words other than I'm feeling good, I'm feeling great about, you know, the season to come. Like, what's your, what's your attitude? What's your just general feeling toward, uh, I mean, we're a week out. This is here. So how are we feeling?
1: I'm kind of nervous, honestly, because I think like, oh, I don't think, I know I've talked about it on my page too, but this is a massive season for the franchise, for the Philadelphia 76ers as a franchise this is one of the biggest seasons in terms of stakes in the history of the franchise. Like, there is yeah. so much at stake. Joel B James Harden, oh, there just there is so much that needs to happen for this team, and it's just gonna be such a telling year for the rest of. I mean, I mean obviously not the franchise, but just in general, like it's gonna be such a telling year for the direction that this franchise is gonna be moving in. Do they make to the Eastern Conference Finals? Okay, great. That's a win. They haven't done that in 20 years. Do they win a championship? I don't get my hopes up because I can't do that. I'm done. I've told myself I'm done doing that (laughs) with the Sixers. Do they win a championship? Okay, well, that's something that they haven't done since the 80s. Monumental step in the direction of the franchise. Run it back. Let's get everyone back. Hope no one leaves. Keep everybody under contract and just do what you can to bolster the Like. There's a lot of possibilities, and I mean, we all know the one that should be happening, relatively speaking. This is we we talked about before. Like, this is arguably the best team on paper the Sixers have ever had. They need to win. If I'm being totally honest with you, they need to win. I, I'm not, I'm not accepting anything short of a finals appearance from this team. At the very least, again, barring injury, we know those things happen. But this team, this team is up with the most talented in the league, up with the most talented in franchise history. Like yeah. I'm not expecting it, but it's something that I think needs to happen or else there should be and probably will be major changes mm-hmm. come next offseason. I don't even want to look at that because this is like I said, huge year especially for Embiid and also Harden by extension. Yeah. So, yeah.
0: It is a big year, and even just in in thinking about that, and in hearing you say that, I have flashbacks to. So obviously, this is our, you and I, our, our second full season yes. on Planet Seventy Six, entering into our second full season, I should say. And um, if we flash back to our season preview of last year, Michael, one of the things that you were very adamant about was no expectations for this season. Yes. I feel the exact same right, way I mean, you around. were you stuck to that, and props to you for doing that. Um, just given where the previous season ended and uh, everything up in the air entering last season, but it, it's it's cool to hear you say, you know, the now are you expecting to win a championship? We don't know that, no. but like, there's high hopes for this team, um, and, and not and even really high hopes.
1: Like, that. obviously, you're hoping that your favorite team wins, but you when you're the Sixers like this. You kind of have to win, regardless of the expectations, yeah. regardless of whether or not we expect them to win. <clears throat> they need to win. Like they need to at least make the Eastern Conference Finals. We, we said that last year, but mm-hmm. I mean, obviously that, that couldn't have happened. That there was no possibility of that happening until James Harden got here. Which even then it was like, okay, are they going to stay healthy? All this stuff. But this this season, they need to make the Eastern Conference Finals at the very yeah.
0: least. At The and, very and least. anything
1: else is a failure, anything else is totally unacceptable. again, barring injury, but right. this is this is one of the best teams in the league on paper.
0: Yes, yes, they're, they're as talented as any team out there, um, and more talented than most. <laughs> so um, yeah, it's um, this is our second second you know introduction to a season, and um, last year's was very, very different. Uh, from this and this is a a breath of fresh air in a very positive way Uh, I will say so again this is part one of two Um, just so you know as a listener part two is going to feature you know we're going to we're going to be talking about how the Sixers stack up against the rest of the Eastern Conference we're going to preview the the games for that week opening week at Boston, as you mentioned, and then our home opener against the Bucks on the 20th. So that'll be next episode 69. But for episode 68, Michael and I both kind of came up with just a couple things to hit on um, You know, as we head toward the season. A couple of those things we did last year with um, some player goals, some stat predictions uh, for some key pieces for the Sixers, and then uh, what Michael wanted to do, and it's going to be fun. Um, is to talk about some of the different lineups that the Sixers are oh, going to yes. use, the variations, different schemes, how all of this depth you mentioned. This is you know the deepest team they've had. This is the best team they've had on paper. How is all that going to, to work, and how are they going to benefit from all of this depth? And so I think that's what we're going to um, start with now. And so since that's your area that you uh, pinned down for the outline for this week, I'm going to let you lead that charge. So... Yeah, let's talk about those different lineups, different schemes, and, and how it's all going to mesh, or how we think it's going to mesh.
1: <laughs> let's do it. So this was actually suggested by someone from, my, from Trust the Love on My Page. forget who it was. I will find out, and I will message them. So thank you in advance for this, whoever suggested this. Cool. But in terms of lineup variation, lineup versatility, things like that, the Sixers are pretty well-equipped, if you will. To be able to play multiple different ways when it comes to offensive oriented uh, lineups, defensive oriented lineups. If you need, you know, if you want to go smaller against um, teams that go small, Clippers, Warriors like to go small as well. Celtics, Mm -hmm. um, go bigger. You can do that as well with this kind of roster. I mean, just off the top of my head, obviously you have the starting five, which is a pretty balanced. Pretty well-balanced attack from both ends of the floor. Then you have a team that they ran tonight, actually. Preseason was Tucker, Harden, Harris, Maxi, and Melton, I believe, which a variation of that small ball lineup. Tucker at the five, surrounded by four guys, moving parts, guys who can handle, shoot, defend, at least if you're Melton. You know, maybe not so much (laughs) much the other guys, but that's okay. Um, And then you can plug in. Anybody in there, you can plug Niang in there, you can plug Theibel maybe in there if you want, you can plug Milton, you can plug House, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. any variation with Tucker at the five, if you want to go small to match up against other teams, or go small to get gain an advantage over teams who are going bigger, transition, run them off the floor, possibly things like that, and you want to go bigger against a team that's going smaller, or a team that's going bigger, you want to match that. Embiid, mm-hmm. Reed, or Harrell. Even though I, I don't love that fit, but it, it's only gonna be for a limited time anyway. Hopefully, Embiid, right. Reed slash Harrell, Tucker, Maxie Harden, Tucker Melton Harden, Tucker Melton Milton. Who knows? Like there's <laughs> this this Sixers team is extremely well equipped to be able to put a ton of different lineup variations on the floor, depending on the situation, depending on what's needed, depending on what the other team's doing, depending on if they're thinking, hey, you know what, let's tr- throw this team a curveball, let's go smaller, let's go bigger. Let's, I don't know. Mm-hmm. And then he can even do small ball with Reed at the five. Because he's right. he is a five, but he's a bit smaller anyway. And just have shooters around him with Harden, Maxi, Harris, Mel, and you know what? You get what I'm saying. Like, there's, yeah, there's a ton of variation that this Sixers team can roll with, and I just love it. I, I, I they haven't really had this kind of luxury, and it all comes mm-hmm. down to the types of players that are on your roster because you're not going to be able to do this with a bunch of guys who can just, you know, rebound or defend. You need guys who can do a ton of things at a high level and do them well. And all of these guys on this roster, for the most part, obviously there's exceptions. Um, all of these guys can do that, and the Sixers have the luxury of being able to run with different line of variations that I think could could and will be very successful. Because I think when you have Tucker at the five, I think any team around that is going to look really good, especially if Harden is in there too.
0: Hmm. Yeah. There's a lot, I mean, (laughs) I don't even know what else to say. In addition to that, you hit it, but there's a lot you can do with Mm -hmm. this team. There's a lot you can do with this team. And that's credit to Daryl for bringing these pieces in that, you know, give us this luxury, as you mentioned, but, um, it's, we're going to see a lot of different looks. Um, you know, and then I hopefully in time, as it works out, the, the looks that worked best during the regular season are, you know, are the ones that we use in the playoffs. um, I do, you know, a question, you know, just came up in my head while you were thinking through some of that. Uh, Obviously, Joel Embiid is our guy. Um, He's going to miss several games throughout the year. We know that. Mm -hmm. What do you think? Obviously, you know, we're going to see PJ Tucker at the five in some way, shape, or form. Doc said that. Um, You know, you don't have to answer this necessarily saying that PJ Tucker is going to start at the five when Joel Embiid's out, but you know, what do you, who do you think does start when Joel's out or who do you think gets the most minutes at the five? So maybe PJ still stays at the four mantra or not mantra. So probably come off the bench, but Paul Reed comes, you know, comes in at the five, you know, but maybe PJ gets the most minutes at the five. Like what, how do you see that playing out the games that Joel does not play?
1: Well, the good thing about that is PJ Tucker can play alongside Reed and Harrell, Whereas Reed and Harrell can't really play alongside each other. It's kind of clunky in terms of fit. But P.J. Tucker can play right alongside Harrell and Reed. He could play the five if it's Reed. He could play the four if it's Reed. He could play the four Mm -hmm. if it's Harrell. So I think you can play Tucker and Harrell at the same time just as well as you could play Reed and Tucker at the same time. Right. And I would like to assume that Reed starts in an Embiid absence, or Tucker, again, depending on the team. Depending on what that team is doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because you could see
0: Tobias slide to the four and maybe Matisse in there. Yeah, Tobias
1: Um, at the four. I could see that. And then even, yeah, put Melton, maybe Melton at the three. Maybe they go really small. Who knows? So I think there's a lot of options, especially when Embiid is out. And the good thing about having a Reed and a Harrell and a Tucker, so much Embiid insurance. You have options when Embiid is injured. Now, obviously, last season was great too because they had Drummond. So that was awesome. But this season it's even better because they have multiple options at at the starting five when Embiid's hurt and at the backup five. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. When Embiid is not playing, they have multiple options as a starter and they have multiple options off the bench. When Embiid was injured last year, it was probably Drummond starting and then sometimes they had DeAndre starting. Oh gosh. Um... So they're not gonna have to. They're not gonna have to worry about that this year. They have options yeah. when Embiid is healthy and when he's not healthy, which is which is great, which is amazing, which is exactly what you want when it comes to your star player having competent guys to back him up when he's not playing.
0: Okay. All right. So that's the bigs, and then let's transfer to the forwards, and then maybe touch on the guards, and then we'll move on. But so the, that's the big situation. Um, the forwards, there's some interesting guys in here, um that are fighting for minutes. Now again, every single guy we're talking about, there's a, it's an eighty two game season. All of them are gonna play, all of them are going to have spurts where they have significant minutes. I believe that. Um But you know, if we fast forward till you know, to April, May, June, which one of these guys is getting the minutes is going to be very interesting. So, you know, you throw in guys like Furkan Korkmaz, you think about Matisse, you think about George Niang, I think he's more of a lock than those two I just named. Um, you got Daniel House as well in that mix. And then um, Isaiah Joe, if you, if you count him in that kind of range. But how do you see that playing out? Other than what I just said about, you know, I mean, all these guys are going to get minutes. Um, to me, my personal opinion with those in particular, Furcon, Matisse, and Daniel House... My thought, and I don't know why I'm thinking this, but my thought is that in the grand scheme of things, that is Matisse Thibel's job to lose. And his three-point shot's going to make him or break him. Um, so we might talk about that a little bit more when it comes to some player goals or some stat predictions, but that's huge. If he shoots the ball league average, I think it's his job to lose. Um but yeah, what, what? How do you see some of those forwards and some of those questions playing out?
1: So, I love Daniel House. I okay. I I that's probably tied with Tucker for my favorite, second favorite off-season addition by the Sixers. Um, I think he more or less has that spot, as well as Niang. I think these mm-hmm. both these guys have the. Back up three and four, basically on lock. And this past weekend, I went to the blue and white scrimmage. Sixers, it was awesome. the The blue team was Shake Milton, D'Anthony Melton, Daniel House, George Niang, and Montrez Harrell. I'm kind of thinking that's Which gonna be, be the five, right? The five off the bench. Okay. So that's that. I mean, that was just basically confirmation bias at that point. But still, right. I I I still am rolling with that because. The Sixers, they they made it a priority to sign Daniel House to a two-year, $8 million deal. What is he going to do if he's not playing? Why would they Mm -hmm. sign him to that if they didn't have every intention of having him play a very, pretty decently large role? So that's, combine that with the fact that he was, I mean, I guess that's just a hunch either way with the whole blue team thing. But, like, all these factors, that's my thinking of, okay, okay, House is going to get a true spot on this roster. And I, that's that's what I think. And I think Niang, again, like you said a couple minutes ago, I think Niang also has a spot just based on what he gave you last season, yeah. based on the fact that he, uh, despite the Sixers' newly acquired depth, he still is probably the more unique player on the roster in terms of forwards, um, mm-hmm. in terms of what he can do. So I think he gets a spot as well.
0: Okay. So Matisse or Daniel House, and that is interesting. You maybe maybe you did pick up on something with the blue-white scrimmage. Um, I don't know. I, I I still me personally, I I think Matisse's job, Matisse's job to lose, but I think he's a, I think he's got a very short leash with yeah, that. I agree. Um, it's
1: it's just been like, it's been a few years now. You know, I think this is the season where yeah. they're going to be like, hey Matisse, we really need you to do something offensively. Yeah. If you can't do that, you aren't going to see the floor as much, and we might trade you, or or we might not re-sign you in the off-season. I think this might be his contract year. I'm not sure, but we Mm. need some change, dude. Like it's about time you got to do something. (laughs)
0: Right. Yeah. So So, I I mean, if if you know, again, both of those Daniel House and Matisse are going to get minutes. um, You know, so I guess we're kind of thinking long-term, but. If Matisse is at Daniel House's three-point percentage or a tick or two below, then Matisse is going to play. But, you know, if if Daniel House is shooting 40% from three and Matisse Steibel is shooting 30% from three, um, then you're probably right. I think we have our answer there. So (laughs) uh, we'll see how it shakes out for that, you know, wing position. Um, real quick about the guards. We know who our guys are, James Harden, Tyrese Maxey, um, Danthi Mountain. I mean, he's certainly, certainly, certainly the backup, you know, if you can say one guard, like, you know, just as in not the one guard playing the one position, that was a bad way to say it, but he's, he's the one guard that is a guarantee off the bench to play every single night that he's healthy. Um, talk real quick about shake Milton. How how is he going to fit into all this?
1: I have high hopes for Shake this year. Um,
0: He's just got to get the floor.
1: <laughs> yeah, we talked about it probably a couple of weeks ago on the on the podcast. But he was injured last year. Actually, we probably talked about it in the player profile. Did we do one for Shake? I forget. Yes, we did. So we probably talked about it then. He needs to stay on the floor. Bottom line and uh, player goals here. Actually, I'm not, I'm not gonna say anything. But if we do Shake. Um, I have, I have some thoughts, but he's got to stay on the floor. He's, he was injured this past year. Couldn't really get a rhythm, get his footing quite literally because of that injury. Um, he's got to stay healthy. And I think he has the second guard spot for now, at least who knows? Maybe Isaiah Joe comes out of nowhere. Maybe Ferk regains what he, I still believe he can, which is a really solid NBA player who can shoot really well. Um, but yeah, I, I think I think Shake <laughs> has the spot right now. So I I don't know. I I think uh, I think that is also pretty up in the air, especially, or not especially, but I I think that's pretty up in the air, right alongside the second forward spot off the bench as well.
0: Okay. Yeah, because I mean, even th- there'll be times when you and I want to see Shake out there, mm-hmm. but we'll see a mix of you know James Harden. Matisse you know Niang Tobias and Embiid or something yeah. like where, where we go kind of big um, to where Matisse slides down to the two and then you get some shooters at the three and four and then you play Embiid Th- there can certainly be moments of that where you mix bench with starters um, where Shake might get left out and I think you and I are both in agreement we don't want Shake to be left out um, we do yeah. not want him to be the odd man out he just provides a lot off the bench as far as you know getting his own shot um and all that fun stuff. So, all right. I like it. That's kind of how we think the the depth depth will shake out <laughs> shake building. <well>. Um <laughs> I didn't plan on I that. I get it. Anyway, so we'll move on to our player goals and individual stat predictions. You'll see here on the outline, uh, you might be like what does that mean? I'm going to tell you. So, it says three players total for each one of these. So, um Player goals is one category that we're going to get into right now, and then individual stat predictions will be the next one. So with player goals, you can either choose to have two that you're going to pick, and then I'll have one, or you can pick to have one and I'll have two, and that means you would have two of the individual stat predictions. So one of us is doing two, and one of us is doing one of each. So I'll let you choose. Do you want to do two player goals or two stat predictions?
1: I would love to do player goals because I just started posting these on my page. And okay. I'm gonna do one that I posted on my page and one that I didn't that I'm probably not going to because okay. it's a lot it's not it's not like underwhelming or anything. It's just like I'd rather talk about it and it's because I feel like it's a little more well, that's the word I'm looking for. It's a little more like not polarizing. Just a little more someone that you aren't really thinking of needing goals for if I guess if that makes if that makes sense
0: okay we'll see if it makes sense I'll let you know if it makes sense but uh you are on the clock with player goals and again this can be just this can be as simple as saying you know I want it can be a broad statement I want Joel Embiid to be the defensive anchor that he used to be I want you know whatever and then the next category will be more specific like this is what I think is gonna you know Tyrese is gonna average from three um whatever. So, player goals, why don't you go ahead and hit me with both of them back to back and then I'll give you mine and then we'll move on to some stats.
1: Cool. So, player goals number 1 for Tyrese Maxey, um my first player there. I would love to see him average 20 per game. I think it's extremely doable. Um and with more shots, obviously, mm-hmm. with more three-pointers, obviously, you would like to see him take more threes. Maybe not make them at, a touch higher, at such a high clip that he did last year. I think he shot 42% from three, which is nuts. So I'm taking higher volume on slightly lower efficiency, but also scoring more points. Because I think a really telltale sign of a great scorer is taking a lot of shots, but also converting on more... Or no, what am what I saying? Scoring more, but also shooting more. Like... You can score, but if you're only taking four shots per game, you're know you not really a great scorer, but if you're taking 10 shots per game, 11 shots per game, I think that really increases your value as a scorer, especially if you're making most of your shots. Obviously, you won't be breaking everything. So I think 20 points is extremely reasonable, Mm -hmm. and I, I would like to see him shoot maybe... I would like to see him make maybe three threes per game, maybe take, like, 7 or 8. So that would get him at, like, 30... That would get him at, like... Actually, not 7 or 8. Like, let's just say 7. That would get him at, like, 34%, which I'm fine with because he's taking more threes and he becomes more of a threat out there. Like, the defense is going to have to adjust to him taking more threes because if he's taking more, he might be making more, so he's putting more pressure on the defense. So I think that would be... Very solid as well. So those are my two for Tyrese. And then my one I have for Shake. Actually, spoiler alert. We talked about him Mm -hmm. a few minutes ago. I would love to see him play 60 games. I would love to see him average anywhere from 13 points to 15 points off the bench. I think he could be the Sixers' number one or number two leading scorer off the bench. Because even though, again, the Sixers have a bunch of new depth, they're not really kind of bucket getters. Like, Melton is mm. that guy, but you can never have too many guys off the bench who can get you buckets. So, would love to see Shake be that one or two guy right next to Melton, and I'd love to see him play 60 plus games and stay healthy because that was a big issue from Les here, as we talked about.
0: Okay. Alright. I'll give my goal. Cool. And uh, then we'll head to some... Real-time predictions for what these guys are going to do, but oh. my goal is a bit of a broad one. It'll be you know TBD based on you know what we see during the season. But my goal is for De'Anthony Melton, and it is to have an impact on the defensive end. This is a lofty goal on the defensive end. Similar, not as much but similar to the impact that number 25 did while he was uh-huh. here. Um, I think he—I think he's capable. Do I think okay. he's going to be, you know, top five in defensive player of the year voting? No. But I think we, we need someone to be that defensive stopper. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I get Matisse is very capable, but, like, if Matisse ain't hitting shots, he ain't going to be in the lineup. Yeah. We already we established that. At that point. So, D'Anthony Melton, I just, I'm excited to see his ability on the defensive end. He's obviously, you know, He's not going to be playing 36 minutes a night. So when he's in, I just want to see him be a menace um, on the defensive end of the floor. So that's my goal for him. Uh, Take that however you will. Uh, Let's get into some stats. So uh, you give me one. It can be a player. It can be points, rebounds, assist, everything. It can be one stat you want to see. um, You know, I want Montrezl Harrell to average nine rebounds a game. Whatever it is, and then uh, just talk about it a little bit.
1: So. I, pr- I might be stealing this from you. I don't know. I might be. I'm choosing the Anthony Melton. Okay. Am I stealing that from you? No. Okay, good. Okay, good. So, honestly, I would love to see Melton, like I just talked about with Milton, would love to see Melton average 12, maybe 13 off the bench. I know that's a lot of production off the bench, but yeah. let's say the starters give you 75. I mean, you need more points. So, off the bench, when you have a guy like Milton and Melton who can get you buckets— you know i don't i don't think expecting 12 13 14 from each of those guys is really too much because they're they've proven and they can they can do it especially melton i think and they're they that's what they're there to do they're there to score and obviously with melton in his case to defend so i think expecting pretty decent point totals for these guys isn't something that is too crazy to not even expect really but just kind of hope for and I would love to see Melton average, you know, like I said 12, 13 off the bench, maybe a steal or two, um a couple assists as well. He's a pretty good passer. So, I would love to see that. Let's let's say 12 points, let's say 13 points, let's say like four rebounds, let's say like three assists and a steal. One and a half steals, who knows. Especially like if it. he's the sixth man, he could if he's the sixth man, I think he could do it.
0: I like it, all right, so I've got a good one, and then I'm still brainstorming another one, but my first stat prediction i'm I'm getting on the hype train a little uh-huh. bit. Uh, I've seen some videos, <laughs> whatever that means um, <laughs> you know you know how it is with yeah. uh one of the other guys <laughs> who used to not be able to shoot. <laughs> we see yeah. a video, we think he's gonna fix it. Matisse thyibel uh my prediction. Okay. Okay. Is Matisse Thybul is going to be a league average three-point shooter. Okay. Bold hot yes. take. Extremely. Because <laughs> <it> <laughs> Yeah, this might be more of a goal, but I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to preface it as a prediction. That's fine. That's fine. Because it's a goal that's going to come true. And if he does, watch out. Watch out. League average. So he's he – he's last two seasons he been around 30, 31. League average is closer to 35, 36 um, from three. But that's, that's my prediction is he's going to be around league average and he's going to solidify himself as a part of this, um, this rotation. My next stat, and I'm having a little trouble trying to land somewhere, but my next one is for a, a Sixers newcomer by the name of Montrez Harrell. I'm having some difficulty landing somewhere. And the reason why is because we know what Montrez is capable on the uh, of on the offensive end. I mean, the man has scored 13 per game in his career, primarily coming off of the bench. Uh, the most games he's started in one single season is 14. Um, but the thing is on these teams where he's averaging close to 13 a game is he might be coming off the bench, but he also might be the best center that they have, you know, best big Mm -hmm. man, best, you know, guy that they have. That is certainly not the case on this team. You know, he hasn't played behind a guy like Joel Embiid ever. Um, So I'm having trouble landing on a, uh, landing on a number because I don't know how many minutes he's going to get. But, you know, so for example, last year he played 21 minutes a game in his 25 games in Charlotte and averaged 11.4. With Washington, he, he had averaged 20 24 minutes a game in 46 games, but he averaged 14 points a game. He's the most capable offensive guy that we've had behind Joel Embiid. There's no doubt about that. So my goal or my prediction for him is that he will, in fact, in a Sixers uniform, hit the double-digit mark per game. Oh, um, in in limited time. So that means he's going to be a little more productive. He'll you know be in the teens probably minutes per game, so he's going to have to you know have to get shots up early and often. So that's my
1: prediction for Montrez Harrell. I like that. I also Montrez Harrell's growing on me honestly as a player. So yeah. I'm excited for that. Yeah. All right.
0: Well, that is part 1 of Planet 76 go. season preview for the Philadelphia 76ers. Part 2 will be coming soon. Uh well before The uh, Sixers tip off the season in Boston on Tuesday, the 18th. We hope you'll check out part two as we preview what the Sixers are going to look like stacking up against the rest of the Eastern Conference and what they're going to look like as they head to Boston to open up the season. Join us next time on Planet 76. Go! Peace. Are you on Instagram? why don't you go give us a follow at Planet76Podcast so you can be in the know when we drop new episodes. Thanks for listening to this one, and we'll see you next time.